Welcome to our podcast. Thank you so much for downloading it and listening in yet again. I'm Beth Husted and today I'm joined by what I consider two wonderful psychologists and ultimately wellbeing specialists, Karen and Yvonne. Welcome both. Hello. Hiya. Yes. Today we're going to be talking about lifestyle and well-being because, believe it or not, these two are really quite intrinsically linked. When we don't do the good stuff, when we don't eat well, when we don't exercise, when we don't manage our stress triggers or manage our stress response, we can actually start to see our well-being deteriorate. So the biggest thing I want to highlight today is that this is not a silver bullet. You can't listen to this 20, 30 minutes and then all of a sudden, bang, you're well-being is perfect. Well-being and feeling good doesn't come from three stamps, turning your head and eating speech, six spinach leaves. It takes more commitment. It actually takes what I consider self-love. You need to be prioritising yourself and realising the impact of not looking after yourself. You're the cost of doing nothing. So that's me sort of setting the scene. And now I just want Karen and Yvonne just to take their time to introduce themselves. Thank you, Beth. So I'm Karen Curtis. I'm a rehabilitation and wellbeing consultant here at Unum. My background's in occupational psychology and my role includes supporting our clients to create wellbeing solutions for their businesses, including providing line manager and individual training on health, wellbeing and condition management. I'm also really interested in how we can enhance our wellbeing for our clients, for individuals and for myself as well, because who doesn't want to feel healthier? There's always new research, new tips and new ways to well-being. And we're lucky enough that our role gives us the chance to dive into those different trends and try them out for ourselves and learn them and reach out to our clients with them as well and share that knowledge. Oh, thanks, Karen. Um, I'm Yvonne Roberts. I'm a vocational rehab consultant at Unum. I'm a chartered psychologist specialising in occupational psychology and I've been at Unum for 10 years. Um, so my role is to work with employees who've been impacted by a health condition and support them back to work or provide guidance on managing this in the workplace. Um, I also help their employers to understand which adjustments they might need. And my aim isn't just to help the person be in work, but to enhance their well-being as much as possible so that they can enjoy their time inside and outside of work. Thanks, guys. I think it's just that's a really big thing to think about. You know, we're at work. Yvonne, there's some stat that you may or may not be sharing later, but you you gave it to me a long time ago. And we are at work for, what is it, 5,000 days of it's a lot. life? <laughs> yeah, we are <laughs> at work. a lot of time. <laughs> and we really, we, we can't be thinking about looking after our well-being when we're not at work because we're at work most of the time. So we need to make sure how can we actually, you know, use what we've got at work, make the most of when we're here in order to have have good well-being practices. And it is about practice, which is something that the guys will talk about um, later as well. I love Karen's bit about who doesn't want to feel healthier. Loads of people don't put the effort in and then wonder why they're not feeling their best. Um, but it does take some hard work and commitment. And with that in mind, I think that it's actually quite an important place to start and think, you know, what is stopping us? Why are people not actually, you know, doing all of the things that they could possibly do in order to make them as healthy and well as possible? We see and hear it all the time. And, and we also we've got our kind of inner story that we build up as to why, you know, we can't do that workout or why we can't finish work on time to do that work walk after work etc um we've always got an inner story oh i don't need to eat that healthy today I, i'm going to do something healthy tomorrow and don't make a healthy food choice so first of all i just think i'd be really interested to hear from you yvonne what you think maybe the biggest barriers to making those you know positive lifestyle choices are yeah so there's loads of things that get in the way lack of time work tiredness no support or encouragement from others maybe we've got caring responsibilities or we're prioritizing other things or other people the list goes on really um i started last week determined to meditate each morning and lasted for two days um had a bit of a thing about what what had got in the Sorry, way there two and days is quite good that's well done well <laughs> wait till you hear my next bit meditation rather than none <laughs> But it was to do with a lack of routine, not fitting it around an existing habits and prioritising other things. Um, but you'll be pleased to know I'm on day five of meditating now. And I think as I keep going and I start to feel better, my motivation level builds a bit more to carry on and kind of keep that run going. Well done. So that's five out of five. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's good. Are they long meditations, short meditations? It's uh, it is longer than I've done before, so it's twenty minutes. Wow. For a kind of, uh, it's actually transcendental meditation that I'm doing, which sounds a lot more complicated than it actually is. Yeah, I'm it's right basically just repeating a word over and over. That's all it oh, is, but it just chill you out. It's quite good. I used to um, when I worked in Thailand I used to go to meditation every lunchtime with the Buddhists and it was amazing but I don't know why I started to feel a bit funny funny saying the Thai stuff because I didn't really know what I was saying and I didn't get meaning so I kept saying the Lord's Prayer so I kept saying our Father right in heaven and I kept and doing that and I did the same you know the same experience and the same kind of transition emotionally uh, and and that calm feeling and actually even to this day 10 years later if I can't sleep I will repeat the Lord's Prayer over and over again because it's like a, that practiced um, like you say chill out chill out vibe but I just it's what a weird thing to be saying as a mantra <laughs> again well, it, thinking about the word. it's obviously built some quite strong pathways neural pathways hasn't it in your brain that it kicks off anytime you do it again so that's yeah. awesome really good some people used to fall asleep in the meditation sessions like mm -hmm. cause, I mean it was all dark you know it was really good I really I, I biggest thing I took away from 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 that experience was brilliant um so what you're saying from what I was listening there with about practicing your habits and prioritizing and things we've got habits we've got work we've got time we've got priorities and so this boils a lot down to how we look at the way we form habits yeah how we stick to them it's very I'm, I'm doing them noom at the moment on the which is like cbt based dieting and it, every day I have to do a lesson every day I have to weigh in every day I have like a something else a task that I have to do and I feel like that is the only way that I can make these con ongoing lifestyle changes to my diet and to my health because it's forcing it to be part of you know my morning ritual my morning habit and um, but Karen you've always been a strong tendencies habits individual you've enlightened me to lots of different ways that this is there is more psychology behind it than me just being force-fed uh, CBT in the morning to get myself thin what what do you think we need to be doing to give ourselves a fighting chance of actually prioritizing lifestyle and, and well-being in our lives so I think it's more about consistency and the habit itself like the system we use for it than actually what we're choosing to do um, and I'm the same. I will start something and I'll kind of be like, well, I'll do this. And then if you don't see results straight away, you think, oh, well, that must not be working. Whereas sometimes if you stay the course, you're actually more likely for it to work. Um, but often we're so used to that instant gratification that if we don't get it, we think, let's try something else and kind of sabotage ourselves before we've even started. Um, so research into habits because of this is basically really popular at the moment everybody wants to be more efficient more effective at home and at work everyone wants to improve their well-being um, a lot of the modern research works on the principle of making little changes bit at a time um, forming small effective habits to reap the rewards of their improvements so again it's about those small habits forming consistency over time and forming a bigger reward um, so um, Dave Brailsford, who you might have heard of, um, he took the British cycling team from like a fairly average cycling team to winning over 60 percent of the gold medals available to cyclists at the Olympic Games in 2008. So it wasn't a massive change that he came in and overhauled everything. What they looked for was little things. So little quick wins, little easy things they could tweak to make that team just 1% better. And then all of those 1% all add up and collectively have a huge effect. Um, so they were looking at things like washing their hands better to avoid illness. So that's something we can all relate to now that we are washing our hands <laughs> all the time. They could have given us some tips pre-pandemic. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So maybe they were less likely to catch um COVID than any of the rest of us because they already <laughs> knew um, how to wash their hands um, properly. Um, so um, things like that, things that we wouldn't have even thought about then, maybe now we do. Um, they also looked about how to eat better, how to sleep better, down to what sort of sheets they use, what sort of pillows they had, sleeping positions, how to train better, they improved their equipment, they improved their travel circumstances, um, the efficiency of everything. And all those little tweaks added up. And Dave Brailsford called that the aggregation of marginal gains. Um, so um, 
James Clear, um, who wrote the book Atomic Habits, kind of built on that idea. Um, so his book is all about habit formation and um, it's one of the most popular books on the market today. Um, the idea of atomic habits is very small. So atoms small all add up to have a larger effect. So the sum is more than the whole of its parts. He talks about how if we don't succeed at a habit, it's not because we can't do the habit or we can't achieve the goal. It's not because it's the wrong habit, it's basically because our system is broken. So if you think about setting a goal, so the difference between two people who set a goal to run a marathon, two, the two people have the same goal. So it's not the goal that's broken. If one person does it and one person doesn't, it's that one person has a system in place to achieve that goal and the other person doesn't. Otherwise, we would all achieve every goal or we would all not achieve every goal. It's not the goal that's the problem. Um, so his book is all about how to implement the system. So the system um, is to look at making your habits obvious, attractive, easy and satisfying and then do the opposite for bad habits. So like how to kind of hide them from yourself so they're not as obvious so that they're harder to do, that kind of thing. Um, he gives examples of like committing to a time or a place to do the habit, stacking habits together so that one habit makes you flow on into the next one, reminds you to do it and doing something uh, called temptation bundling. So stacking your habit with something you enjoy so you kind of get a payoff like a reward immediately um, as well as the end goal being your being your reward as well we should also remember that not all habits have an end goal in mind um, it's not like you're going to say well I want to eat healthier and then get to a certain place and go right I'm never going to eat healthy again I'm done now it's not oh, about... I wish that that could be an option <laughs> like I'm going to eat really well for three weeks and I'm going to lose six stone <laughs> and then it'll six. stay off forever and then I'm going to be thin and I can just eat tiramisu for the rest of my life yeah. <laughs> See, awesome. it, it doesn't work like that and Damn. we definitely would suggest that we all have like a, this end goal in mind building a habit is about trying to make something automated so you do it anyway so you're always looking after your well-being anyway um so his habit sort of formation so if you think about the idea of if you were going to form a habit like going for a walk you would say to yourself I will go for a walk at 12 30 p.m in my local park after my lunch so you've got your trigger like your rewards your thing to look forward to it's like oh I'm gonna have my lunch it's my lunch break you've got your time your place you know where you're gonna do it um and um you sort of see the work the walk is actually part of that the formation of that full habit you might add in another temptation so you might say on my walk I'm going to listen to an audiobook or my favorite podcast or favorite music or I'm going to talk to a friend on the phone you might stack your habit with um, doing something like having a big glass of water when you get home when you get home from your walk um, you might make it obvious you might set your walking shoes out by the door ready to go you might put a notification on your phone you might get your glass of water ready for when you get back um, you might queue up your favorite podcast ready to listen to or perhaps have an accountability partner someone that you're meeting for that walk or somebody that you're going to phone when you're on your walk so that you're both kind of committed to each other um, you might think about how satisfying it will be when you're doing that walk to have that big glass of water and um, to tick it off in your habit tracker that's something James Clear talks about quite a bit about the the act of kind of ticking off a habit and not breaking the chain having that habit completed each day so that kind of thing, like seeing it track, um, stack up in your fitness tracker app. I've been using Strava, um, doing just walking challenges. Um, and I find it really motivational because my friends are doing them too. I'm looking at who's got the most kilometers and I'm wanting to get to a certain amount of kilometers each month. So having that and reminding myself, I'm not going to skip a walk because I'll get behind on my goal to finish the, the challenge that month. So it kind of motivates me to have that chance to track it and then tick it off and be like, oh, look how much I've done this month. I've been thinking about the that app that I was telling you about and, and it fits with all of those things you know getting into the habit of doing the weigh-in every morning and getting into the habit of you know tracking all of the drinks that I'm having and and the accountability piece it actually did a little um a little uh one of the little lessons because it does the daily lessons it keeps you engaged and on track and it actually said on one of the lessons um having like booking something in and then having the reminder come up on your phone makes you even more likely to do it and I was thinking back to when I used to go to classes at the gym you know you'd book it in and then you'd put it in your calendar so that it would physically be in the calendar and that is another external stimulator to make you go um plus obviously there's um 
that impact of not doing it. So if you didn't go to three lessons and you didn't cancel the lesson three times, then you would be banned from going to the classes for a week. And so things like that, there's a kind of a, a consequence for not carrying out the, the 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 habit or the goal that you wanted to achieve. There I think was the I'd thing... even be discouraged by having um, on my phone lots of notifications and then not doing them because then yeah. you're there and you'd be like, oh, I haven't done that. I haven't done that. And it, the guilt would make you kind of go, well, I better do that. Otherwise, that's another notification that I've not, you know, that I've missed and not done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and also, that, I mean, I also I put all of my lunch, like my um, workouts in my calendar, which is a lunch break. And then people can't book stuff in. And a lot of people often say, oh, like my friend last night, she said, oh, I can't come to to the workout at lunchtime tomorrow because look at my calendar. And I was like, but you knew this was a Tuesday and a Thursday workout. It's half an hour. When you came last week, why didn't you put it in your calendar for this week, like Tuesday and Thursday? Then you wouldn't have. But it's it's easy to have work get in the way of doing it. You could have made that not happen by booking that time out in your calendar. You just haven't prioritised yourself. So it makes you wonder if she really wants that habit. <laughs> yeah. Tough best to this. <laughs> She'll know I'm talking about. So thank you. So so we've talked like about the barriers, the time, the lack of self love, that all of the the millions of things that stop us doing stuff. And then we've actually you know thinking about how we can overcome those barriers, thinking about that habit formation, making it easy. You know when we talk about making it attractive, you know drinking more water we'll talk about that later I'm sure but um, I've got a really fancy bottle that cheers me on all day it's actually telling me right now that I should be oh I'm, I'm at my 7 p.m drink which is good and it says no excuses a little bit more and just boosts me on every few hours to tell me to drink more water that makes me want to drink well it doesn't I just want to drink more because I want to make sure I finish the bottle every day um so we know what we can do to overcome these barriers barriers that we probably put up for ourselves as well we need to look for those smaller achievable changes but what I want to do now is just you know what are those things that we can be doing what are those lifestyle changes that we can actually be doing um because this session this podcast um has taken a lot from uh, a webinar that we do on lifestyle and we have six pillars there so I think Yvonne you're going to take us through those pillars So we looked at um, research, well-being and lifestyle and the key aspects of this. And you might have heard of Rangan Chatterjee. So he's the doctor based up in Manchester who supports his patients to make lifestyle changes um, to impact their health. So he's had quite a few books published and he talks about four pillars of well-being. And we built on these, focusing on areas that we either had full control of or an element of control. Um, So these pillars were rest and sleep, nutrition and hydration energy management, movement, stress management and work. And we're going to have a look at each of those um, in a moment. And as Karen said, we're not suggesting that you or any of us try and tackle all of this in one go. It's more about picking one or two things which are going to have a big impact on your well-being and just focusing on these to start with. So we'll talk about these areas and some simple ideas of what you can do. So I'm going to start with rest and sleep. So arguably the core of our well-being. Um, And in the work that I do, talking to lots of employees, carrying out assessments of their function and well-being, many talk about difficulties with sleep. And I think sometimes we can too readily accept that we've got maybe a problem with our sleep and we just think it's a byproduct of a busy or a stressful life. There's nothing we can do. But actually, it's not the case. And if you do have some difficulties with sleep, it's always worth taking a bit of time to consider what's getting in the way of this and how you can address it. So if it's worries, is it something or something to do with the comfort level in your bedroom? It's too hot, too cold. Is it hot flushes for women going through the menopause and so on? Take some time to problem solve in in these areas. Address any worries. See your GP or make changes to your sleep environment and see and see what the impact of that is. And definitely sleep can be impacted by using phones or laptops before you go to sleep. And I know that for sure from from my experience. So try to leave one or two hours gap before you go to bed from using your phone and incorporate a relaxing routine instead. Interestingly, if you make time for rest in the daytime, it can positively impact sleep at night. So I'm not talking about napping, but more about stopping and giving yourself a break. So things like, you know, sitting in a comfy chair inside or in your garden, if you have one, take five minutes to do some relaxing breaths. So 
a relaxing breath is when you breathe out for longer than you breathe in. Do a bit of meditation, loads of apps around for this. Um, or just simply notice what you can hear, what you can see and what you can smell. You might like to do a little bit of yoga or stretching, but something to give yourself a bit of rest at regular intervals throughout the day. And I know when I started trying to do this or I've, I do do this now, I couldn't believe how much I've been pushing myself through tiredness every day and not giving myself some rest time. And I think I'm more productive at work as a result. So it's not it's not negatively impacted that. So rest on purpose and take a number of rests throughout the day, including your work day. I think that's a really good point. And we talk about it in um, in another session that we do on, when we talk about resilience. And it's that concept of intentional recovery, you know, that mm -hmm. oscillation of um, moving from doing something that could be quite stressful, back to back calls and meetings. And then we go down to that homeostasis, which isn't intentional recovery. We're just back to like normal. Mm -hmm. And at no point have we actually re-energized ourselves. People don't let their battery of their phone drain down, but we let ourselves drain down through the day and then spend the evening just kind of mindlessly scrolling through our phones or watching the telly it's it's there's no intentional recovery and so mm. you can make something as easy as just going and having a coffee because what we the simple thing is we go and grab a coffee won't we and then we bring it back to our desks and carry on working mm. but mm. you could make that you could extend that period of just think about how you're making the coffee experience that time wait drink it in away from your desk even like even just looking out of the window or like you say sitting somewhere else that can just have that massive impact on that kind of intentional positive recovery um yeah, and that's a really important piece we don't let ourselves we let ourselves drain our batteries and that is that's what leads to burnout ultimately doesn't it because mm. you're constantly putting yourself in that um kind of high adrenaline place and it's no fun no you're not actually enjoying anything when you feel like that no it's Same. exhausting what you just said about making time for rest in the daytime is really made me think. So as a relatively new mom, like I know that my if my baby sleeps in the day, he sleeps better at night. So if he actually has rests yeah. in the day, mm -hmm. whereas if you think that if he was up all day long, he would he would sleep better at night because he'd be tired out. But that's not the case. Um, so it kind of really shows that in like a really kind of basic way. Mm. Um and also, I can really appreciate how very important sleep is because without <laughs> it, my brain is mush. <laughs> Good yep. quality sleep. I believe sleep to me is the underpinning of well-being. If you can't, if you're not getting that down, it's pretty hard to put all the other things in. Yeah. Which yeah. Karen's going to talk about nutrition in a minute. But there's a real link between making poor food choices and poor sleep. If you're not getting a good sleep, you're more likely to make those poor food choices, which I suppose leads quite nicely into to what you're going to say now Karen yep um so yeah healthy eating and um, eating a balanced diet making sure we get all the right nutrition for our bodies um making sure that we stay hydrated we all know it's super important but for some reason it's one of the things that people struggle with and like you say sleep can affect that stress can affect that I mean how many of us have had a really stressful day and instead of going home and eating the healthy meal we'd plan to eat that we've got all the ingredients for in the fridge we go oh sod it I'm just going to get a takeaway because I'm too stressed and you think it's going to be quicker but it's not it takes just as long for that takeaway food to come as it would to cook a proper meal but our brains go to this place where we think that that's the easier option um so things that you can do to help yourself with that around the idea of these atomic habits, those little habits, are um, doing things like meal planning and batch cooking. It doesn't mean that you have to cook a week's worth of food in one hour or anything mad like that. Maybe when you cook a meal, you make sure that you cook enough for two nights so that another night you've got some that's done already and you don't have to cook. Um, so maybe just increasing things a little bit, making something you were going to do anyway also service you for another night as well. Um, it might be um, drinking um, from a water bottle like Beth was talking about. Um, you need to drink around one and a half to two litres a day. So that's eight to 10 glasses. If you know that you're not going to go and get those glasses of water and keep filling things up, having a great big vat water bottle type thing like Beth's got is going to make you more motivated to do it. Um, and it's also that reward mentality as well. Like she said, you get those little motivational quotes on hers that say, you know, keep going, drink some more. Um, but also the satisfaction of, oh, look, I've drunk my whole water allowance for today. Um, I'm doing really well. I also find that the more water I drink, the more I tend to want to drink more. 
um, I tend to feel a lot better. So I keep going. Um, so I think that works really well. Um, also, the other thing about making them attractive with the bottles is uh, if anyone's seen JLo's water bottle, that is a water bottle that people want to drink from. That is bling and it's got a name on it. Totally need a JLo water bottle if you're struggling <laughs> to drink enough water. Yeah, so it's, it's amazing the things that can actually kind of motivate you I mean thinking about what Yvonne was saying about rest if you're going to sit down and have a, a nice cup of tea and that's going to be your rest having a really nice mug that's your favorite mug that you like to hold in your hands and feel the warmth through the mug that's going to be far more rewarding than just like grabbing like I don't know a rubbish mug that you got free from somewhere um, that you don't really have any attachment to so there are little ways that we can sort of make things more attractive to us um so in nutrition then, things like when you are traveling, if we do start traveling for work again or any other reasons, taking snacks with you so that you're prepared, so that you're not sort of rushing around trying to grab something in a shop because you're never going to make the healthy choices if they're available, if you're in the, in a rush. And if you're faced with lots and lots of decisions when you're hungry, um, you've probably heard about the idea of not going shopping when you're hungry. Um, it it just it doesn't help you just pick what's there rather than thinking about what your body needs um so planning ahead with shopping as well um so we do our shopping online now um and we always sit down and work through what we're going to have for our meals each week and do the shop online and we do it when we're not hungry because if, if we're hungry we'll be like oh we want pizza and we want cake and that's where our brains will go but if we're not hungry I'm we'll shopping be thinking... this evening and i'm now wanting pizza and cake i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> that's another thing once someone mentions it you can't get it out of your head can you um planning ahead if you're traveling is a really good one um and it's something that um can be especially useful if you have to be on any type of specialist diet if there's anything that you either choose to avoid or need to avoid for your health so if you're staying in a hotel or if you've got to eat in a restaurant most places have their menus up online in advance so you can check them make sure that you're going to be able to eat something make sure that you're not going to be sort of either compromising your diet or compromising your health by by doing that so look things up can relieve some of the anxiety about that so getting into the habit of doing that when you're going somewhere and maybe making a decision on what you're going to have so that you then make the healthy choice when you get there taking a proper lunch break um is super important not just because we actually need to fuel our bodies and and you know have a drink and, and have some food but also um like you were saying about taking proper rest during the day is going to help us to focus as well so um making that commitment to it so putting it in your diary like we we're talking about with exercise um making sure that you've um you know perhaps got your lunch ready or you've got a lunch that you're looking forward to that you know you're going to have so it makes you sort of have that habit if you're somebody who skips lunch and forgets about it um, booking it in or perhaps having it pre-prepared so you can just grab it and be ready maybe make a plan of what you're going to do on your lunch break as well as eat so that you don't end up eating at your desk um, it's important that we actually focus on our food and not our work because um, if we're not tasting it we might still feel hungry half an hour later if we've just wolfed it down whilst looking at our laptop and not notice what we're having um, so you know making sure that we remember to do that well, thanks, Karen. Yeah, absolutely. And I know, you know, you mentioned there about hydration and making sure that you drink plenty um, and that definitely impacts energy levels. And that's that's our next pillar, actually. And this one is very much rooted in working out ways that you can make your life easier so you can use your energy for work, for your family and friends and doing things that you enjoy. And I guess a lot of things that you said there, Karen, like the batch cooking um, preparing things in advance really help with with making life easier although batch cooking never works in my house because we eat it all that night <laughs> never once been successful with that you have to oh. serve it into tupperware at the same time as on your plates <laughs> rather than leaving it in the pan because yeah, then if that's... you leave it in the pan you think it's seconds if you put it in the tupperware and, it, and then it's and it's gone because that's another okay, day's point <laughs> i tend to my husband always goes i've been to serve six people it's only done us three because we just serve double portions you have to do it for like eight people so that then we've got the yeah. Right, portion yeah. it out to, to for everything as you as you serve it out okay. and then you've got it and then you can say no you can't eat that that's tomorrow night's tea or that's next week's tea oh goodness it's tough you two are tough <laughs> okay so energy management a bit more about about that and the pillar that we put together here we 
we based it on the idea of spoons theory, which is a bit of a random name, no idea why it's spoons. Um, but anyway, the spoons represent units of energy and you start each day with a certain number. Um, and the metaphor of spoons theory is usually used in relation to chronic illness, um, but it's useful for everyone as, as it encourages you just to have a think about the amount of energy that you have. And based on this, how are you going to manage the demands of the day? Do you need to schedule some additional rest? Do you need to ask someone for help, for example? Um, and some of the other things to think about here with energy are around setting boundaries. So particularly at work or if you've got caring responsibilities, setting realistic expectations for yourself and others can really help you cope. And thinking about that when you say yes to something that you don't want to do or you're too tired to do or, you, you know, it's a work demand that you haven't actually got time to do, you are saying no to something else. So that might mean if you say yes to staying later at work to complete a task, that might mean that you say no to going for a walk with your friend in the evening or say no to having some rest before dinner. Um, and it can feel quite strange to say no if you're not used to it, quite unpalatable. And like anything new, it does take a bit of practice to get used to it. But if you think of saying no so that you can say yes to something else, that can actually help. So something that you actually want to do or value, it can feel more achievable. And negotiating deadlines at work is OK. It does work and it's acceptable. Try it. <laughs> I think I think that's a, it's a really good one to always. Everybody always wants everything done now, don't they? And, mm, yeah. and, you know, probably for a couple of years, I've been trying really hard. So when someone says, you know, you're talking about getting something done and you'd always, automatically, in my mind, it's always like, okay, I've got to get that done right away. And I've really mm. tried to take that sort of opportunity to go, when do you actually need this by? When does it actually need to be done by? Oh, OK, well, not for another three weeks. OK, so let me just look at my diary and let me see the the time that I can actually fit this in and check this works with your schedule. I can do this particular thing on this date. Will this work? Yeah, actually, that's absolutely fine. Mm -hmm. And that's it. I've, I've only asked a question. I'm not saying I'm not doing it immediately. I'm just asking if it would be possible to do it at a different time because, you know, the, the deadline's not for X amount of time. And, and the same with... Um, with, with loads of things really but it, particularly my boundaries around my lunch break during lockdown they've been absolutely pivotal to me to get my exercise and stuff in because I felt bad enough working all the time that you know the child was at home so then in the evenings you want to spend time with them so you don't want to go and do exercise but putting it in the day carving that time out and preventing anyone else from booking time in not all the time it doesn't work but most of the time that's my boundary and, and I think those mm. two things for me have been really really vital um to, to make boundary setting work and, and sort of thinking about how to manage my own energy and day-to-day -day tasks. It's my tuppence worth there, which again, and this wasn't planned, removes, fits nicely in or moves nicely into the next bit and the next pillar where we're talking about movement because it's absolutely vital. We need... We, I was like, I keep seeing so many quotes from Joe Wicks. And when we were trying to create this webinar, do you remember? Oh, no, when I was trying to create the Movement Matters webinar, we wanted to get like some really good quotes to say the importance of moving and how valuable it is. It doesn't matter what you're doing. You just need to get moving. And we're sitting at our desks for what, eight, nine, ten hours a day. How does our little 30 minute Joe Wicks worker actually counter all of that? Well, it doesn't, does it? Which is, I suppose, what you're going to talk about now, Karen. Um, I'll move over to you. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's really important. And I think it's one of those things that it is important that we prioritise it for our energy management as well, because actually the more you put in, the more you get out. Um, if you actually prioritise movement, you're going to have more energy in the day. Um, you're going to be able to manage your energy better as well. So all adults should be doing some sort of physical activity every day. Um, if you're... Um, if you're working at your desk, your body needs to move um, every 40 minutes, get up and move around. And if you're listening at your desk, I hope you're standing up and having a bit of a wiggle right now. Um, it's going to help you to avoid aches and pains. Um, and it can sometimes um, help prevent and, and alleviate more, muscular, more serious musculoskeletal health concerns. We can plan movement into our day um, by ensuring that we take micro breaks um, and our lunch break um, and also looking at what we do outside of work as well. Um, we can set reminders, um, doing things like uh, using a timer to trigger that little atomic habit of having a move around. So um, a, a, a timer or a trigger might be um, 
that you have every 25 minutes, you might use the pom Pomodoro technique, every 25 minutes when I get my five minute break, um, I stand up and I have a move around, grab a glass of water, stack it with another good, good habit. It might be that you give yourself a trigger like when I answer a call, I'll stand up and have a stretch. Or you might do something like for one meeting a day, I'll choose to make it a walking meeting. So there's different ways. And I think we've got a lot more um, freedom in a lot of workplaces now um, after what's happened with the pandemic, with working at home, um, with having more flexibility in our days so that we can go for a walk when we have a meeting. We've got the technology and we've got the flexibility. So why not build that into your day? Um, you can actually be more creative as well. If you're out walking and seeing things, you're getting away from your desk, it might help ideas flow a little bit better um, if you're trying to think through a problem. Um, having accountability can really go a long way to getting us to exercise. So doing something like planning to exercise with a friend so that you've got to meet somebody for a walk or a run or cycling or whatever. Signing up to an online gym class. Um, it, sounds, it sounds odd, but if you have to pay for it, um, that's even better because if you've got some skin in the game if you've made an investment in what you're doing you're actually more likely to show up if it's something free then you can just be like eh, I won't bother going whereas if it's something that you've paid for you're more likely to go um, and I've been doing this recently I've been doing an, um, an online yoga class and um, I had two one that I was I'd found that was free online and I often missed it. And one that I was doing that I'd paid for online um, and I didn't miss it. And the only occasions that I did miss it, I would always go back and do the recording because the fact is I'd paid for that. So I needed to do it. So just invest in yourself and actually put the money into doing the doing the exercise if that's going to get you to commit. Other ways to fit movement in your day might be to use ex exercise as transport. So if you are traveling to a workplace, uh, running or cycling or walking to work, or if you um, need to go to the shops for anything or a post office, whatever, rather than getting in the car and driving, see if you can walk or cycle there. Um, habit of working out can be a lot more attractive if you look forward to things like the peace and, and tranquility of doing it so um, building it into um, that kind of restorative rest but active rest so things like um, yoga things like pilates there's still working out it's still really good for your body but it can be very restorative and very peaceful and relaxing um, it might be that there's an incentive to do that so perhaps um, perhaps uh, somebody else is going to look after your children for you whilst you go and do that and you get a bit of peace and quiet perhaps an incentive might be that you get to go outside and in and after being cooped up inside all day you get to enjoy a nice walk especially now the weather's getting better and spring is um is kind of uh, developing um it's going to be a lot nicer to be out in this in the sun um what about if you're traveling, you can um, you can fit uh, working out in if you've got to travel in between places, if you're going and staying away, sometimes it can be really nice. I often see it as a reward when I have to travel with work. If the hotel's got a swimming pool, that's like a big deal for me. But I find it really relaxing to go and have a swim after I've had a long day on a train or stuck in the car. Um, so that's a really good kind of way to make um, exercise a reward. Give yourself a nice long hot bath afterwards after you've got all sweaty. Another nice reward, another bit of peace and quiet to fit into your day afterwards. It doesn't have to be the latest workout trend or what your favorite celebrity is doing. The best exercise you're going to do is the one that you're going to stick to. So don't force yourself to go running just because somebody that you know is doing it or because you think it's the most effective. If you hate running, it's you're never going to stick to it. Choose something you like. And, and then it's more likely to stick, even if it is something that's a bit unconventional. Um, it like it doesn't have to be the standard things. I did roller derby for years, which is weird, and you're fairly likely to to get injured. But it's fantastic fun, and it kept me going whilst I did it. So there's all kinds of options out there that you can you can have a look through and, and find something that works for you. Um, but yeah, I mean, exercise, movement, all have a really positive impact on managing stress as well. Um, and using up that adrenaline that you might have released if, if you've had that stress response. So that's actually our next pillar. Um, and being proactive about managing pressure and stress can really pay dividends. And one of the things that we can think of, ways we can think about stress is with the stress bucket analogy, where 
above the bucket are the clouds, the things that cause stress that rain into the bucket and gradually fill it up. And then imagine at the bottom of the bucket is a tap which you can use to release the stress by doing things that you love or that helps you to feel less pressured or stressed. And it can help to think about what is actually filling my bucket? What are those stresses? And what are the things that help me empty the bucket or release stress? And the work of Paul Gilbert and the Compassionate Mind can be really useful here. So he talks about three emotional regulation systems. So threats, drive and self-soothe. And the threat system is also known as the fight, flight, freeze response, which I think everyone's probably heard of. And this is what gets triggered when we feel stressed or, you know, when we feel like we're struggling to, to cope. So when thinking about managing stress, it's helpful to remember that the brain can't actually tell the difference between real and imagined events and responds to them both in exactly the same way. And it's the reason why some researchers found that participants could actually increase their muscle mass by imagining themselves exercising. So here you go, Beth, you're forcing yourself through those arduous workouts at lunchtime. You're going to be imagining you're doing it <laughs> and it will have an effect. I'm down with that. <laughs> <laughs> and similarly with worrying. So if you're worrying about something happening, your threat system is triggered just through that thought, even though you're not actually going through the thing that you're worried about happening. And many of us um, have a highly active threat and drive system. So the drive system is the thing that where we feel uh, rewarded if we've finished our to do's, our to do list. Um, but the SUE system is often less active and we work best when these three systems are more in balance. So something we can do is to invest and a quite a nice thing to do is invest more in our soothing system. So this is by spending time doing things that make us feel safe contented and cared for and there's actually a few sort of quick ways of activating the soothe system through um, parts of our body so our lips our ears and the palms of our hands all if you kind of massage your hands do a little circle on your hands that will activate that soothe system this is my so favourite hopefully... thing that Yvonne's taught me. <laughs> literally like just gently moving your finger around your palm Oh, it just chills me right out. I love it every time. And I sniff a good old sniff of tiger balm, do this around my hand, and I just feel like a new person. Better. Listen to my voice. It's just, just <laughs> putting my finger around my palm. I absolutely love it. hope everyone else can do this as a result of listening to that advice. Best thing ever. And you can do it with children as well um, by kind of tracing a heart shape, you know, if they're struggling with going to school and stuff. You can kind of put your love there and trace trace a heart and that's what you're actually doing you, you're triggering that soothe system um but a bit like when we talked about sleep earlier on where if people have poor sleep sometimes we can think that being stressed is all we can expect um in life busy lives but if you take some time to consider what's impacting you and what might help you feel better you can impact those stress levels and start to bring start to bring them down a bit it's, it, it, stress can become manageable mm. and we do need to keep thinking about when we go into stress that we do recover from it and we do look after ourselves and and build build our resilience and build our well-being but you know what you're saying there about managing the stress bucket making sure that we've, we're releasing giving ourselves this opportunity to burn off that stress is really important um but yeah the self-soothe bit is absolutely my favorite my favorite thing but one of the <laughs> biggest causes of stress for most people apart from money and family is is work and mm -hmm. where are we most of our lives we're at work um and and you know this podcast is coming through work generally this is obviously because Unimar an employee benefits provider and so your business is insured with us potentially which is why you're, you're getting this podcast um and the irony is that businesses you know create all of this stress but yet, then also on the other hand provide all of these well-being resources so what what else can we be thinking about when it comes to work Karen you know it's our final pillar thinking about how we can make work work for us yeah um, <laughs> so I mean like you said we can't just do well-being when we're not at work um, we spend so much of our times working um, we can't just like look after ourselves in the fringe hours between that and then expect everything to be all right the rest of the day we need to invest in ourselves all the time not just outside of work um 
we can include ideas from all of the other pillars here. We can fit movement into our walking day, like we talked about, things like walking meetings, stretching at your desk, challenging your colleagues to activities. There's all these things that businesses do to invest in us, like you said. So um, take part in challenges, take part in communities that you can um, you can be part of at work. Um, and uh, and make sure that you are sort of engaging in the things that are available to you. Um, we're currently promoting um, within Unum a charity 10K. Um, so it could be something like that that you can sign up for and you can do that with your colleagues. Um, you can take part in using the platform. So wellbeing platforms where you track your fitness. Um, our, um, our company has a Strava group where you can see everybody else who works in Unum, what kind of exercise they're doing and how often and cheer each other on. Um, so there's things like that you, you can do. Um, fit in time um, working your uh, in your working day so that you're not overstretched. Make sure that you plan around the work uh, tasks, both the ones that you enjoy um, and the ones that you don't enjoy. It might be that you reward yourself for completing the tasks that aren't your favorite. So perhaps you do your most dreaded task before you go to lunch and then you have something to look forward to once it's complete. Um, or perhaps you do your most dreaded meeting whilst you walk so that you've got something to sort of boost your morale whilst you're doing it. Take notice of what your business is doing is the key here. Um, it's not just about the wider stuff that everybody's doing, but what are your colleagues doing? Are you noticing somebody who manages their um, their work really well, who has a really good system to fit in well-being, who has really good boundaries set around their lunch? What do they do? How do they make sure that they take that time to fit in movement? How are they making sure that they are managing their deadlines to manage their stress? So look at what your colleagues are doing and talk about it. Engage with your team meetings um, find out what everybody else is doing to help you to manage your well-being. Also think about what your habits are. Look at your, do a little habit audit is something James Clear calls it. Look at what you're doing at work and how you work. So what kind of habits are you already having in place? What do they actually do for you? Are they helping? Do you know that you always leave a certain piece of work until the last minute? Um, could you set yourself like false deadlines and checkpoints to review with your manager so that you've got that accountability um, to make sure that you're getting things done on time rather than having a big stress at the last minute because you know you always put it off. Um, we've talked um, before in our workshops about the idea of eating the frog, dealing with <laughs> your hardest task first, your most dreaded task first, and eating that frog um, and getting it um, off, off your plate, as it were. Um, so um, perhaps employing that tactic and marking the tasks that you know are frogs and then putting time in to get them done. Do you know and that you ticking always ticking them off, ticking yeah. those frogs off? That's it. <laughs> having the just having the to do list and being able to tick stuff off that is part of your reward. It's again going back to that atomic habit idea of having making it attractive, um, being able to tick it off and feel satisfied. I also know people who wrote it, write a have done list at the end of the day. So instead of focusing on all the things that they have haven't done yet, they focus on all the things that they have done, um, so that they can celebrate the things that they did did achieve rather than worrying about the next thing they've got to do. Do you know that you always get distracted at certain times of day or on certain tasks um, uh, and that makes you make mistakes? Could you tweak your day around so that you can do an easier task when you're most distracted or have a chat with a colleague, colleague to invigorate you and kind of get you going again, sort of swap things around? I know that um, one of my things is if I'm in a meeting and I'm not taking notes, my chain of thought will go. So you often see me in a meeting with a notebook and I'll be writing pretty much everything I can down because not only does that mean I've got something to reference to later, but it keeps my brain focused on what's actually going on because otherwise I'll hear something in the meeting and I'll go off on a train of thought about what I just heard and think, oh, well, that's interesting. And my brain will go off somewhere else. And then I'll come back to what people are saying and think, what? what's happening whereas if I'm writing it down at the same time as listening it's like listening twice it keeps me on track so I know I need to do that and that's a habit that works well for me um, so we're looking for those one percent improvements so just look at where things are not quite going well when things are you know not quite right or where you think you could do better and it's about kind of trial and error, practice different little tweaks, see if walking meetings work for you to keep you on track, see if taking notes help, 
tweak how you do your to-do list and keep track of your tasks. Some people like to do them um, on a paper notepad. Uh, my husband has this complicated Excel thing that he does all of his to-dos in and I always wonder how he keeps track of it, but it works really well for him. So just think about what kind of way of doing things is going to work and try the different things. And like I said, ask the people who you know, who you think are doing really well, because you might be able to share some things with them and they might be able to share some things with you. Or just listen all the way to the podcast at the end <laughs> and then you'll have all of the goals. I, thank you, guys. I mean, I think we probably went over the 20, 30 minutes that we were planning on going, but there's so much, <laughs> there's so much of value here. Um, so we won't, we won't dilly dally too much um, before we conclude the session. But what I really wanted to do was just highlight my my one percenter, my top tip that's just made things uh, really valuable for me. And I would just say prioritize those walking meetings I think they are really they make a really big difference if it's just to catch up with your manager a one-to-one or even if you can just give that permission to yourself or to your, to your friends or colleagues or teammates to take that walking meeting when you have your team meeting that's really important get your big fancy water bottle so that you makes it attractive think of that JLo sparkle bottle um, and book out your lunch time so that you can have that walk or you can have that workout Yvonne what would your one mm-hmm. percent to be Um, I've got two top tips. One is podcasts like this sometimes make me feel quite overwhelmed. I think I've got to try and do everything. We've talked about loads of stuff today. So just pick one thing that you've heard today that's resonated with you and give it a try. Um, And then my other top tip is um, to spend your lunch break each day doing something that you enjoy. So whether it's having a walk, meeting a friend at the park, watching a TV programme that you like, or my favourite, which is getting into bed and reading. And that definitely triggers my Sue system doing that. And I'll probably do it after this for about 10 minutes, I would think. (laughs) What about you, Karen? What's your little final leaving tip? Uh, Mine would definitely be to meal plan and prep things in advance. I don't have the time to be cooking something healthy and complex every day. I much prefer to invest time and go, right, I'm going to do it all now and then I'll have food for another day um, and now there'll be a day I don't have to cook. find it a lot easier and I'm much less likely to decide to eat something that I probably shouldn't be like grabbing the takeaway. Um, it's a lot cheaper, a lot healthier for you. So that's what um, I would recommend. Um, and I think also after listening to the tips, I think I am going to come away from this and I'll be in future, I will be booking my lunch breaks into my calendar because I know that I have a tendency to move around my stuff to fit around everybody else. Yeah. And I think I think that I need to be better about making sure that I properly take that break rather than allowing other people to encroach into the time when I should be eating my lunch or maybe going for my walk or uh, doing something good for myself like reading or just uh, enjoying a bit of relaxing time so I'm definitely gonna take that tip away and that's gonna be my my next atomic habit go to bed like Yvonne does (laughs) (laughs) it's brilliant under the covers as well I'm not talking just lying on top you get in big map big map so thank you everyone for listening i think the biggest thing that we just wanted to highlight here is you don't have to do everything all at once make that habit change that habit easily slowly just one small little change that you're going to do differently as a result of this and then you can come back and listen again and think of the next habit that you're going to put in place it isn't out of your grasp hopefully you've got something out of this session and we will catch you on the next one thank you very much Thank you.